The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Okay, play ball. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the National League Baseball Betting Preview. I'm Stucky, and joining me today is Colin Wilson and Sean Zarillo. Colin, I gotta start with you. I gotta ask you, how much money have you invested since we did the AL podcast into Teoscar Hernandez? I have taken funds that I was gonna spend on Teoscar Hernandez to win every single futures category and redistributed that into some top shot, into some names I don't even know because I don't follow the NBA. So now I've got Bam Adebayo taking money out of my Teoscar Hernandez fund that I had set up. Zerillo, good stuff on the American League betting preview podcast. Got great feedback on it. It was nice to talk some baseball again. Excited to talk National League. This is a league that I grew up loving and watching. Our teams are in it. So uh, are you ready to make a case and show some preseason love for your Mets. You guys don't even know the depths which I'm willing to go right now to defend my team, to defend the love that I have for my team in this preseason for the first time I've ever been willing to put preseason money down on the Mets. The the NL is really – I'm excited to talk about it because you you have the NL East, and I think even though I'm a Phillies fan, it is a – as far as the division is concerned, it's a conversation about the Braves versus the Mets. And then you can – and we'll talk about the Phillies and Nats and, and Marlins, too. It's a really intriguing division. The NL Central, like, what's going on there? We'll get to that. And then it's uh, the Dodgers and Padres. So uh, so we'll go through all the divisions. We'll give our favorite bets, thoughts on the teams, just like we did in the American League podcast. If you missed that, make sure you check that out. And just like that episode, we'll have Colin Whitchurch from Baseball Prospectus, who now is on our staff as uh, senior baseball editor. Really excited to have him this year. He'll give some of his favorite bets later in the show. But let's start with the National League East, where I'm wearing my Philly sweatshirt. My beloved Phillies, who it's really hard for me to say this, but like, and just believe that they have the longest playoff drought in the National League, believe it or not. Um, so, but it, when you start here, the two favorites to win the division, uh, it's going to be between the Braves and the Mets. We know about the Braves lineup. I was, I am still shocked they had as much success as they did last year with all of their pitching problems. Uh, I mean, the easiest bet I've ever made, my biggest bet of the year was Kyle throwing Kyle right out there against the Dodgers lineup. I think the Dodgers just scored another 10 runs. Um, they won't have to do that this year, presumably, assuming that their staff stays healthy. You get Soroka coming back from surgery. They added Charlie Morton. I still have questions about the pen, but the team is loaded. Mets, it's the Steve Cohen show. They're going to spend more. Lindor, they bring in. They bring in May in the bullpen. They're now, they have a now healthy staff. Add Carrasco. I do want to ask you a couple questions, some prodding questions about the Mets row, but um, I'll let you just 
give your lay of the land. You know, the Nats, look, you bounce back year for their pitchers who had that big run, and I think were kind of worn down for their top three. Yeah, I don't I have some questions about their lineup. They added Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell, but uh, and, and and their bullpen as well. Phillies, they're can their bullpen get anybody out historically bad last year? Then you have the you have the Marlins. It's an interesting team with some interesting arms. Uh Zerilla, I'll start with you. Give me uh, the lay of the land in the NL East and what intrigues you there. And friend, and and I need all your thoughts on the Mets. So the conversation with the Mets has to start with the money. This team is absolutely flush with cash now. And I don't think people realize the degree to which they have a financial advantage over every other team in this sport, not only this year, but going forward. Steve Cohen is comic book character rich. I'm talking richer than Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's worth $10 billion. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol, as a symbol, I can be incorruptible. I can be everlasting. I'm talking richer than Bobby Axelrod, who's also worth about nine to ten billion dollars. By the way, Bobby Axelrod, if you watch the show Billions, that's that's basically what it's about. But you know, when I'm sitting across the table from them, all I can see is they're snapping fucking mouths. And instead of wanting to feed them, I just want to punch their teeth in. We're talking Logan Roy territory, and that's that's succession. That is that is a direct parody of Rupert Murdoch level rich. What the bloody hell? I'm Rupert Murdoch, the billionaire tyrant. So the difference in wealth between Steve Cohen and the next richest owners in baseball, which is the Rogers Group in Toronto, that gap, which is about six billion dollars, surpasses the total net worth of 27 of the 30 teams in baseball. In other words, Steve Cohen is twice as rich as 95% of the other owners of baseball. Now, the best analogy that I can come up with is when Sheikh Mansour bought Manchester City in 2008. If you'll allow me a little bit of a cross-sport comparison here. Manchester City was on a 40-year title drought when he took over the team. The Mets are on a 35-year title drought. He's now the richest owner in soccer and has been for quite some time, but he's the richest owner in the English Premier League by $8 billion, which is pretty comparable to the, the advantage that the Mets have over every other team they're on their way to their fifth title in the past decade. Now that's not only on-field investment, that's off-field investments, stadium, awareness of the organization itself being an improvement. And we saw the, the reaction that players around the league had to Cohen's first press conference, willingness to, to come to New York and be with the Mets for the first time in a while. There's a feeling of change here in New York City with regards to which team has the control over potential luxurious and marquee free agents in the future. Obviously, do not think the Mets are done spending. If they're willing to go out and acquire players like Chris Bryant or Eugenio Suarez, potentially move J.D. Davis around the diamond, you know, make him more of a platoon against lefties. Whatever they need to do, this team is willing to add. I don't think if they have, you know, any sort of desire to sign Francisco Lindor that they're not going to get that done. It's more a matter of do they want to lock him up long term. This team has the money to make all of the financial moves that they want to make. It's just about making the right baseball decisions now. I said on this podcast last year that if and when Steve Cohen took over the team, his first move would be to fire Brody Van Wagenen on day one. It's exactly what he did. The man had so many more liabilities than assets that he added to the roster. They're just back to making smart, sound baseball decisions now, adding to the team and frankly, the, the prospects that they have in place who have come up at the same time that they're also adding to the team just just puts this in position to, you know, make the Mets an immediate contender and and certainly put them in position to compete with the Braves in the NL East right away. So I have the Mets winning their division 49% of the time this year. 
And as we talked about with the Astros last week, I am the conservative person in the projection market. Fangraphs, they're at 54%, and Pakoda's all the way up at 70%, because they're a little bit down on the Braves. Pakoda, they admitted to having a, a bit of a difficulty with projecting the Braves. It might have something to do with their home ballpark. Um, they've been on, low on the Braves the past couple of years. They have them down at, I believe- 70% they're at? Yeah. They're, they're, they're because it's 70% for the Mets? They're at 70% for the Mets in the NLEs. And again, I'm, I'm at 49%. So even if you take my projection and you're just working off of that, there's value on this team down uh, about plus 125 at a 5% edge. You can still get them at plus 170 at BetMGM. So that's, that's an absurd number. I think that's absolutely worth playing just in the same way that the Astros plus 160 is worth hitting. It's probably the best number on a team that is likely to win their division. I believe Eno Saris, who's, you know, high on the Astros and Mets as well, just because the, the quality of stuff that these two teams have in their rotation. So when you look at the, the Mets from top to bottom, the only concern I really have is defense. They've been a poor defensive club for a few years. They don't really have the players on the roster to fix those holes immediately. They still have to stick Dominic Smith in left field, who should outshine his defensive weaknesses with his bat. Had an OPS over 1,000 last year. Looks like a, a potential guy to continue to break out this year. The other concerns that I have in the division are whether the Nationals can get healthy. They kind of paid the World Series tax last year. Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, injuries, effectiveness just completely waned. So taking time off, getting half a year off, not having a pitch through that year, getting injured, sitting out. Yeah, maybe the Nats can reload a bit, a little bit. I can make an argument that Juan Soto is the best player in baseball. Move over Mike Trout because I think he's coming. And I'm not too concerned about the Phillies. Real Muda is starting the year with a broken thumb. That's probably going to sap his power a little bit going into the season. The rotation and pitching in general behind Noah and Wheeler on the Phillies doesn't concern me in terms of an opponent in that division. I think their bullpen is still a complete mess. The Marlins, I certainly expect to take a step up. That team was surging at the end of the year, made it into the second round of the playoffs, brought up a bunch of prospects, added to their team, guys like Starling Marte, Adam Duvall. So the Marlins were initially a team that their win total came out at 67 and a half. I would have recommended betting that over. It's kind of settled right into where I have it projected. But man, really relative to the rest of the division, the, the value here is all on the Mets for me. I have their win projected at 92, 94 and a half. The rest of the market's at 93, 91 and a half and 94.2. So you can get them at over 89 and a half wins. You can get them over 90 and a half wins. I like both of those numbers. Like I said, I like their divisional odds too, down to about plus 125. The Marlins, I mean, can their young arms hold up? I mean, I love that. They get six though. Pablo Lopez, he's probably my favorite pitcher that I love to lose money on. And Alcantara at the top of that rotation are, are really exciting to build on. The Phillies, by the way, I'm not going to sit here and recommend them to win the division. Look, bringing in Archie Bradley and uh, Alvarado, at least they've been like major league relievers before, which anything is an upgrade over what they did last year. But the back end of that rotation uh, is inconsistent to say the less in the bullpen. I will say once that lineup is healthy, they will murder lefties. My question is for you about the Mets where because of their signings and how they're able to platoon, you're no longer worried about them against lefties, which is a concern that I had before any of the offseason moves. I was going to ask you about the defense. And do you now think that the bullpen is a strength? So like J.D. Old- Davis murders lefties. Having Lindor and Jonathan VR in there as switch hitters, I think certainly opens things up, allows them to platoon a little bit more. Uh, bullpen has obvious concerns. You know, 
just because Edwin Diaz is so enigmatic. Uh, Dylan Batanzas didn't look 100% healthy last year, but I really like the Trevor May signing. I thought that was very yeah. underrated. He's been a really effective reliever for a few years. So they're so much deeper than they were headed into last year. They're not filling out the bottom end of the rotation with guys like Michael Walker, who I think actually could be much better this year than he looked last year with the Rays. There's just good strikeout to walk numbers that, that indicate he can take a step back forward. But they, they really just did such a better job from a front office perspective of filling this team out with depth. Yeah, I think the scariest part about the Mets is if things don't fall apart as they have for the Mets in recent past, sometimes due to injuries or whatever it may be, and they get into the playoffs and their staff is healthy, that's where they're going to be the scariest. Colin, let me bring you in here. Are you going to share in Cirillo's enthusiasm for the Mets here? What do you got? Well, I have a bet that includes the Mets, but it's not exactly on the division. So I think what I'll do is I'll start from the bottom of the NL East. Teoscar Hernandez, more RBIs than the Mets, <laughs> plus $4 million for the year. If he was traded to the Mets, the Mets would win the World Series. So I'll start from the bottom of the division and work my way up. I really do like the Marlins because you have Sixto Sanchez, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, Alicia Hernandez. These are great starters. The problem is we don't know if they can stay healthy and we don't know how deep that they can go into games. Are any of them going to have over 170 innings pitched this season? And so, you know, you have a bunch of relief pitchers who have a K-9 rate below nine. So, I mean, every game is going to get blown. So, like I said on the AL podcast, I have an everyday wake-up call to bet Toronto Blue Jays and Orioles games on the over because of the pitching. Same thing with the Marlins. They are a first five bet for me on a daily basis. Just same thing when, when Brady Singer is pitching for the Royals. If there's a first five value bet there, I'm going to hit it. So for the Marlins, you know, they added Starling Marte. Uh, his, <laughs> his plus 1.7 value in war is negated by his negative 3.1 in defensive war. So, uh, you know, that – that's kind of a problem, but the Marlins are working their way up and I like them. And that's more than I can say for the Phillies. I actually do not like Phillies. Shout out to Archie Bradley, who grew up like a mile from my house and hangs out at the batting cage. My son works out at his hard hit percentage has dropped every season since 2015. So I think it's a good addition for the Phils. And there's going to be a lot of close ball games. And, and I know this just from playing fantasy baseball, shitty teams have saves too with their closers. I mean, there could be 30 to 40 saves from a team that only wins 60 games in the season. So Archie Bradley, I think out there, DK is around 20 to 25 to 1 for most saves. That's not enough for me to buy, but I am still looking for good closers on shitty teams to, to win that prop. Uh, the, you know, I think the Dave Dombrowski needs to be talked about as the new president of operations, and he's responsible for all that Expos talent that they had when I was growing up as a kid. He's responsible for the Tigers World Series runs uh, 15 years ago. And when I think about that more and more, this is not a roster he put together. This is not the payroll that he put together. I don't know what he wants to do. And he took the GM, reassigned him, and pulled somebody off of the analytics side and made them the GM of the Phillies. So in my opinion, you might see a lot of jockeying out of this Phillies team around the deadline because there, there might be a bunch of guys that Dombrowski doesn't want on this team. And there may be targets out there that he wants long-term for the future. This is not the Phillies season that you know internally makes me want to play an under, but statistically, like if you look at Zerillo's column and, and War Pathag, whatever, the number's correct, right? Mathematically, but it's not their season. And so why not, if you're rebuilding, sell some guys off at the trade deadline if you're not going to win the division? Because you do have three pretty good teams. I don't think the Nats are really a contender here. 
Uh, Patrick Corbin, his exit velocity against him ticked up. The velocity of his pitches went down. His ex-fip ticked down in 2020. I can't remember the last time I had a bet on John Lester unless it was on the over. Uh, so <laughs> that's what we have to look forward to with the Nat. So I, and, and to top off what you said about Soto, I don't think we've seen the best out of Juan Soto yet. His exit velocity increased in his second season in a row. His K rate dipped from 20 to 14%. Uh, he was on pace to steal 20 bags last season. That's not even his game, right? Uh, full game schedule, uh, you know, he might get 20 bags. Could be a 40-20 guy. Uh, Canseco like there. Zips has him as about 16 steals. So, I, I mean, the Nats are good with their core pieces there, but I don't see them contending with that pitching staff. And that gets me to the Braves. And, you know, it seems like they're trying to get some old retread tires, right? Jake Lamb would have been a perfect fit if there would have been a universal DH Jason Kipnis was brought in. Pablo Sandoval was bought. Maybe they can get one of these guys. Uh, they can, you know, kind of get something for nothing here. Uh, the, the Braves have a projected offensive war greater than the Mets. So that's something to note. Even with all the additions that the Mets have with Lindor, uh, and even as great as I think Pete Alonso is, you know, uh, the Braves still have an offensive war that's projected greater than the Mets. Charlie Morton, if he returns to the 2019 war of 6.1, or even his Houston war of 3, uh, then – you know, he's going to have a really good season. I mean, I last season may have been a little bit of a mirage. His Babbitt flew up to, you know, 355. His ex-FIP was much lower than his ERA. The Braves added Drew Smiley. I mean, this is a former Razorback pitcher I've had tabs on for years. Uh, you know, it stops in Seattle, Detroit, it doesn't matter. I've been wanting Smiley to succeed everywhere he goes. He had the highest K-9 rate in seven games in 2020 that he's had in season. So if he stays healthy, that's a plus for the Braves. So... And Freddie Freeman, I think it, it's worth mentioning for MVP bets. I, I know that he can win the MVP. He's done it before. But if you looked at his battle with COVID was like life-threatening last year. And his first start to the season, his, his weighted runs created was 136. And then after like his final 32 games, it was 212. So he finished really strong last season. If he puts a full season of stats together, he could win the MVP again. So I think it's definitely worth a look there. The bet to make. Besides the Mets division, which I completely agree with, uh, all the way down to plus 120. And let's talk about that. This is being recorded at the end of February. You may be listening to this at the end of March because you're just now getting around to to baseball and college basketball is over and there's just a dead period in sports. I think that Mets number is gone. That 170, 150, 140, I think by the time all uh, everybody's got their eyes on baseball, the Mets, by God, may be minus 140 to win the division. So I think plus 120, it's really may have a different number. I think plus 120 is the place to stop buying. If he's got it at 49%, then definitely minus 110 is a, is a no-go territory. Uh, I think the one thing I'm going to end on is a prop, and a prop is the hitting prop. Uh, Lindor, I was thinking about Lindor and park factors going from progressive to city. Uh, does it affect his home runs a little bit? Generally city field is lower than progressive and home runs, but that's not really what I'm looking at. Really. If you look at his hits and his plate appearances, he's supposed to have 700 plate appearances per zips, which is more than anybody else in major league baseball. Uh, Raphael Devers for the Red Sox expected to have 25 less plate appearances. And then he's going, he's projected to finish top five in hits, but he's listed at 20 to one at DK for most hits while Devers, who's projected to have the most hits by zips is 22 to one for hits. So, you know, most hits on the season, Devers at 22 to one, Lindor at 20 to one. This is who zips projects to have the most plate appearances and the most hits on the season. I think those are worth betting. The Braves upside here, their ceiling and if they do reach their ceiling and the Mets reach their ceiling, I think it's a fairly close race to the end. 
um, is their offense doesn't drop much. And then you have Soroka who comes back and reaches his prior form and he's healthy. And it looks like he is. And Charlie Morton kind of bounces back. You have to kind of take some of the numbers you saw last year with the grain of salt, given the sample size and how unique of a year it was. And then I'll yeah, throw Smiley as your fifth starter. Sure. Fine. Then all of a sudden, if their pitching works out, their offense performs at or close to the level it did last year. The Braves are going to be really good. I agree on the Mets. Yeah, Mets plus 120, plus 130. I agree on. We, I can stamp that a consensus, even though, excuse my French, fuck the Mets, go Phillies. Uh, but this is a podcast about making money first. So I could stamp my approval on that. Any rebuttal to anything Colin said, Zarello? No, I, I mean, I should add, I, I lauded the Mets for being the richest organization in baseball. The Braves are third. So it's not like the Braves can't spend money. It's not like the Braves haven't been spending money. Obviously, Acuna, one of the best players in the game. Ian Anderson was, I mean, popped off the screen last year right in the playoffs with how dominant that guy was. So if these teams both perform to their peak, it's going to be a very close and fun divisional race down the stretch. Paying for the Mets over 89 and a half wins, you're almost paying for their floor with with about 10 wins of upside there. You know, if this team finishes with fewer than 86 wins, it's going to be a massive disappointment. I, I think the difference actually might be the Mets bullpen. Shocking to say that just because of the history of the Mets bullpen, but I think that's where they actually could end up winning the division. But I completely agree with you. All right, that'll wrap up the NL East. We were talking a lot about spending money, rich owners. Well, let's move on to the NL Central, where there's not been that much money spending uh, in the offseason. I, I call the NL Central like the dormant division. I, could, potentially, someone could win this division with an a record under 500? I, I don't know. I mean, so basically, what was I reading earlier today? The talent that left the division, this is as of, I think, two weeks ago, the talent that left the division in the offseason from a war perspective was about 45. The talent that joined, six. Uh, do you know what, from last year's war, do you know what last, Aaron Otto's war was it? like six. So basically it was just Aaron Otto, that was it, and then they lost 44 in war. So Arenado was the big signing for well, the big trade, I should say, when they just fleeced the Rockies. We'll get to the dumpster fire that is the Rockies. So the Cardinals bring in Arenado. Does that make them the favorite, just that alone? Because no one else did anything. A lot of stats suggest they have some pitching regression coming their way, which I would agree with. Um, look, the Brewers, you would expect to bounce back from Yelich. They have the pitching, especially when you're talking top-heavy pitching at the top of their rotation top of their bullpen. The Cubs, look, they signed Jock Peterson. You hope that their hitters all bounce back. I mean, they all had bad years last year, right? And they all have some pedigree where if you get a bounce back, their offense is going to perform a lot better. After Kyle Hendricks, can they get out though? I don't know. Their bullpen is a mess. I mean, Craig Kimbrell, what are you going to get from him? And, and the Reds are – the Reds, and they, they, they lost some town, and they're not really spending – but I look at this division, I say, this is such a crapshoot. I think it's, you know, this is the division I want to take a long shot on, right? Like, I, and what I mean, a long shot, I mean, I want to take either the Brewers or the Cubs at plus 350, plus 400, depending on where you can find them. I wanted to take the Cubs, but I, I can't trust their pen. And then I was like, they don't have Lester. It's a good thing, but they brought in Zach Davies, who I hate. Now, he found some things last year. He does know how to pitch, but I just hate him. So I'm looking at the Brewers here. Look, this is this is going to be an ugly division. Um, we didn't get the Pirates yet, but I'll let you guys talk about the Pirates. And why not? I might take a flyer on the Brewers. Zarella, thoughts on the dormant 
NL Central. Yeah, so this is the worst division in baseball. I think on average, every projection system has the average wins for this division under 79. So very poor. Four teams made the NL playoffs last year because the central divisions were so bad and everybody kind of stayed around 500. The NL central teams went one and eight and they were shut out six times in nine games. I was of the opinion that they shouldn't get more than one postseason bid this year as punishment. I don't think you'll have to worry about that. So the Reds, I'm not really interested in. We were all over the Reds last year. They decided to spend during a year, which MLB teams ended up losing more money than ever before. They also have the poorest ownership group in baseball. I believe they're worth $400 million total. So they're not going to be spending money. If anything, they're going to be looking to get rid of assets. The Cubs, they have an upside projection of 85.3 at Pocota, which I don't think is out of line, given the talent on their roster. But again, past the Theo Epstein era, rumors that they might trade Baez and Bryant. If you want to be an optimist on the Cubs, they were probably the most vocal group of players about the lack of in-game video preparation last year. Baez said that that was completely what was driving his his struggles. Uh, you know, Brian kind of said similar things, Wilson Contreras. So I would be slightly optimistic about the Cubs with the talent that they currently have on that roster, but I don't know if that talent's going to be there in August. So again, not really a team I'm interested in playing on or against. The Cardinals were a team that I took a World Series flyer on after the Arenado trade. Now, that was a time in the offseason where Marcelo Zuna was still unsigned. It looked like he could come back to the Cardinals there were still other free agents out there that it looked like they could have added. They didn't really make any improvements after that. They, they re-signed Molina, Adam Wainwright, but nothing that really moves the needle. If anything, I'm looking to take an under on the Cardinals. I'm actually the highest projection in the market by like four wins. I'm at 85.6, which is pretty close to their win total. But if you look at Fangraphs, they're at 77. Pakoda's at 81.3. Uh, another projection at 80.7. So everybody's between or around like 81 wins. A lot of that is assuming pitching regression, I assume, from some of their arms, which have been pretty lucky over the past couple of years. It's really tough to factor in their team defense, too. They've been one of the best defensive teams in baseball over the past few years. So I, th- I think the projection systems kind of undercuts them. Now, obviously, Arenado is one of the best defensive players in, in MLB, but they also lost Colton Wong, who's the best defensive yeah. second baseman in baseball. So that's really a wash. You're getting a slight improvement at our Arenado's bat, but the team doesn't really have anywhere to go but down in terms of defensive value. But if anything, I'm looking to take an under on them. I don't, I don't think there's a ton of upside, and I would be really surprised if they got to 90 wins, even in a bad division. That said, the Pirates, if you look at their Pythag last year, played at a 59-win pace. So all they have to do is be as good as they were last year or as bad as they were last year. And you should be going over that total. They also went two and five in extra inning games. They were in extras a bunch with these teams in their division. A lot of close games. They have a pretty decent bullpen. They have a few, they have a few good bullpen arms that can keep them relevant. If you're not aware of Cabrian Hayes, he is the next Matt Chapman. Fully convinced that dude rakes and has probably the best defensive reputation coming up for any prospect that I can remember in the past few years, aside from Chapman. And he immediately fulfilled all of those expectations. So there is like decent talent on this Pirates team, but I think just because the rest of the division is so bad, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pirates won 60 games, uh, you know, finished with a fewer than 100 losses. I don't, I don't think they'll have the worst record. I think Colorado or Texas are more likely to. So again, if you look at projections, I'm at 62, other projections, 62, 65, 61. Everybody has this team going over. 
You can get over 57 and a half wins at the Westgate. I think I'd play that. I think I'd even play it up to 58 and a half. I'm kind of trying to see where the market goes for now, just because I don't expect a lot of positivity on this Pirates team. But I, I just think because of the state of the division, t- taking the worst team and targeting them to, to finish better than expected isn't a bad move. Could 62 games potentially win this division? Uh, on a more serious note, I brought them up earlier. I, I assume you're leaving the best for last and you're, you're with me on the Brewers? I am with you on the Brewers, my man. So, you know, this has been a theme that we've kind of covered with the Mets and the Astros, but I am the low man on the projection market for a team that is showing divisional value. Pakota has the Brewers all the way up at 54.1% to win the NL West. Wow. Fangrass is at 33%. I'm at 31.1%. Even still at those projections, you can get a 10% edge. You can bet them at plus 380, 21% implied. I bet that down to plus 280 at a 5% edge. I think the Brewers are absolutely the team to target here. They really just need Locaine to come back off of his COVID layoff and do a little bit better than he was before the year off. They need Yelich to bounce back. And they need Keston Hira to perform somewhere between what he did in the short stint last year in his rookie debut two years ago. And that's really it. They have the bullpen arms. They have the rotation. You know, they, they can certainly piece together 85 wins in a bad division. And I think Craig Council's shown his ability to get those innings out of that staff and, and be one of the more creative managers in the league. So, yeah, in a division where I expect everybody to be kind of close, even at the top, that, that 54% projection from Dakota is really sticking out at me. And I'm close to 20% lower and still see an edge. I, I don't see how you don't bet that. Yeah, the only thing I would worry about with the Brewers, and I I have bet it and I uh, already completely agree with you, is you see sometimes like closers are so volatile, right? Like it's like there's this a dominant closer who no one can hit. And then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years later, it's wait, who who was that guy? He was supposed to be. He was elite um, and then no longer elite. The couple guys could maintain. I mean, you know, the obvious Mariano Rivera is the exception to the rule. But a lot of times you see these guys who are electric and all of a sudden they just lose a little bit of luck. The league has, you know, kind of caught on to them a little bit. So can, you know, Hayter maintain his elite level? He might not even be the best reliever on his team, to be honest. But they are very reliant on the back end of that bullpen. And then they're not going to win games, a lot of games, 10-6, 10-7. That would be my only question. Then, yeah, you have to assume that Yelich bounces back because you need his bat. I mentioned Colton Wong before as well. That's a team that's been sticking Travis Shaw at second base. Mike Moustakis at second base in the past couple of years. Yeah. Adding a guy like Wong defensively in that infield really changes the dynamic. And they're going to clean up a lot more mistakes than they've been making. That's fair. Colin, thoughts on Daniel Central? Do you uh, share in our view the Brew Crew? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, we talked about the defensive metrics of Colton Wong, you know, departing from St. Louis. That is to the advantage of the Brewers. I mean, that that is a big pickup for them, especially defensively. And I think if you were one of the ones that, you know, had the Nolan Arenado, if you had the division odds on the cards at plus 200 or better, uh, which, you know, I did, 
I think it's time to turn around and hit the Brewers at any number that's, you know, say above plus 150, at least. I think those are the only two teams that can win this division. And I think, you know, from the notes that I've got in front of me, I think I can leave it with a couple of, you know, outstanding props that we can have here. Now, the Pirates, the Pirates, you look at that number 57 and a half at the Westgate and you think, how does this not go over? And then you look at the Dodgers and say, well, how that number at 104 circa is a little bit too high, right? So every day you wake up and hope for a Pirates win and a Dodgers loss if you happen to get on those sides. But yeah, I think Pirates in the over is the player for me. Uh, Brian Hayes is, you know, properly listed at DraftKings at plus 550 for rookie of the year because he is the most electric rookie probably in the group. The other one that I will touch on is Dylan Carlson, and he is not as electric as Hayes, or nothing just jumps off the page with 119 at-bats. By the way, check that out with rookie of the year. You're allowed up to 130 at-bats before you're not considered a rookie. Both Hayes and, and, and Carlson got close to the 130 but didn't exceed it. Uh, so they do have game experience at the major league level, which could play into here. But Dylan Carlson for the cards, 10 to 1 odds for rookie of the year. And he's projected to bat fifth right after Goldschmidt and Arnando. I'm not saying he's got the tools to win rookie of the year, but you could not have a more perfect slot from an offensive perspective than uh, Dylan Carlson is going to get there in St. Louis. But yeah, I, I like the Pirates over. Uh, and when I go back to the saves prop, most saves, like I said, shitty teams get saves. And if the Pirates have 60 wins, it's going to be a lot of one-run ball games. And that points me to, I think, Richard Rodriguez. I can't find him on a betting board. I'm looking. Uh, but if we see in the next month a, a full list of saves come out and I see Richard, Rodri- Richard Rodriguez out there, I think he's the guy for the Pirates that's going to get most of the saves. What a fun prop that that would be. I don't like the Cubs whatsoever. There's nothing about the Cubs that I like. They're you know third lowest war of any pitching staff in the NL. Hendricks, Jake Arrieta is going to be a fade every time that he's up. Uh, Alec Mills has a a fastball, I think, that tops out at 88 miles an hour. Throw them out. If there's one other thing I'll touch on, you definitely don't want to have the Reds. We loved them last year. Eugenio Suarez was one of those reasons having, you know, almost 50 home runs, I think. 49 home runs in 2019. Is he a home run candidate now? I mean, I know that there's a narrative going around that he kind of dropped off a little bit. He did take a dip in Woba, but he had a greater barrel and hard hit percentage rate than he had in 2019. And his max exit velocity was 111.4. It's just shy of 112 that he had the year before. There's really been no drop off in contact with the ball or how hard he's hitting the ball. So 30 to one at the Westgate for most home runs. I don't see why it's any different than last year when he's still putting up the same, you know, metrics that are important for home run uh, hitting. The Cubs rotation, the top of the rotation, I mean, with what, Mills, Hendricks, and Davies? Who throws harder, them or us three, if we, we were the top <laughs> of the rotation? Terrell, one of the things I want to ask you about, because you, you do bring up a, a great point that is making me reconsider how I think about some of the win totals in this division. And it's you brought it up with the Cubs and that they could move pieces that also could be the case with the Reds. There have been some rumors that Castillo and Gray will be moved, and maybe it's at some point during the season or whenever it may be, and there could be other pieces that the Reds sell off. So that would, I think, bolster the argument for a Pirates over, right? The division gets weaker overall. For a Brewers over win total, and it, it's the only thing that would make me hesitant about the Cardinals win total under going under on a team that I don't that won't sell um, while the rest of the division is just so they could just be picking up cheap wins thoughts there that's exactly why I think there's value in the Pirates over just the two teams directly above them may not be incentivized to be competitive at all honestly I, I don't see how the Reds 
are going to afford to move forward with this team just because we talked about the NL not having a DH. It's just a bad roster fit. Like they, they've been a poor defensive team for a few years and they don't have a DH spot to get guys like Castellanos and Moustakis out of the field and get better defenders in there. So it's a pretty ugly roster. Um, Anthony DiScalfani was shuttled to San Francisco too. Like they're losing talent from the depth of their rotation that they seem to previously have. So I, I'm kind of low on this Reds team in general. Relative to where we were last year, it's, it's a total 180. So the Cubs absolutely could be sellers, probably will be. It's possible now that we're getting outside of the bubble of these teams playing Central versus Central, East versus East, since the Cardinals are going to have to go up against a division that we'll talk about in a second, like the NL West, where I think there's four teams who are going to be vying to be 77 wins or better these central teams might get their ass kicked for the entire year. So yeah, maybe, maybe we see the Cardinals win the division, but finish with 84, 85 wins. I think that's something that they've done recently. They actually got into the playoffs and won the central with fewer than 88 wins. So I think you nailed all three right there. Yeah. The Reds, by the way, Wade Miley and Jeff Hoffman, is that, that that's their four and five projected starters. Oh, it's a Man. bad division. Nobody has money to spend and, They've decided that most of them are going to be sellers as well. And all central. The beautiful, the beautiful thing about like, oh, this division is so boring. It's like, okay, well, we, we can still find some value preseason. And once the season starts, we're betting on this every day. So I, I can't wait for that. The daily grind of the MLB season. There's nothing quite like it. I'm in the middle of the college basketball grind with COVID. We just did the football grind with COVID. It's like, I'm like losing my mind on how much energy it's taking. And you guys are the same way with your sports. And, and then I'm going to be like, Oh, great. Now we go right into the baseball grind. I'm going to need a long vacation in, I don't know when 2050. Um, Baseball used more pitchers last year in a short season than they used in all of 2019, which was a full season. So it just shows you how much stuff was messed up last year. That's, that's crazy town. All right, let's move on to the NL West. Dodgers are minus 300 to win the division. Padres plus 195. The Giants 50 to 1. The Rockies 60 to 1. The Diamondbacks 60 to 1. The Diamondbacks and the Rockies are the same price. Anyway, this is a two team race. Um, and it's probably just a one team race, but it's a very top heavy division. We know how good the Dodgers are, and they just they added Trevor Bauer now. We know how good the Padres are and what they've done to their roster. I'll let you guys talk to some of that. I actually think the Giants, if I had a guess right now, and I'm going to ask you, actually, I'm going to ask you guys this right now before we go. Who, if you had a guess right now, the team that you will end up betting the most on throughout the entire MLB regular season, what team would it be? Is it real? UT is the Giants, and it's hard to get them out of my head. It, it's going to be the Giants or the Marlins. I'd say those are two of the teams that I'm probably highest on that are in good divisions who are going to have the most opportunities to, to find value against teams that are expected to finish better than 500. Probably the Rangers. I mean, the splits were legit when that Ugh. roof was closed and the roof was open. I mean, that, I'm, I'm talking – and you guys know if you follow me on Action App, a lot of it is over-under totals – uh, that's pitcher dependent, park dependent, and and umpire dependent. So uh, there's probably going to be a lot of uh, Rangers unders going on, some Cubs overs when the wind is blowing. But no, Rangers in that park, there was some really clear splits when the roof was open and when the roof was closed. Yeah, first fives too with the Royals, maybe so, maybe some with the Marlins also. But yeah, my, mine would be the Giants. Like, I, like I'm a, I, I actually love 
Di Scalfani. I always bet on him when he was with the Reds. Always found him undervalued. I'm a Kevin Galsman truther. I don't know. There's, I think that they're going to have value a lot throughout the year. Colin, bless your soul if you end up betting on the Rangers more than any other team this year. Well, it's all on my local TV, right? I mean, I live. if you live in the state of Oklahoma, you're blacked out of Astros, Rangers, Royals, Cardinals, but the only team that's really on TV is the Rangers. So that's well, – thank you, MLB Blackout. Bless your heart. I'd let you guys talk to the Dodgers and Padres. I, I kind of think I'm going to be betting on the Giants a lot. They're not winning this division. I am not considering them for a, you know – division or a long shot world series the diamondbacks like everything went wrong last year like everything and this is a team that doesn't really spend but all of their bats broke uh their pitching was a mess outside of my guy zach gallon and it's a team that doesn't spend yet uh madison bumgarner who got lit every time he touched the mound last year is, is due to make what 80 million more over the next four years mess they've they've gotten some They've signed some people to try to help the bullpen, but uh, the pitching is is not great. That uh, you would expect, maybe there's some positive regression with the lineup after last year, similar to the the Cubs. Um, but I mean, oh, Bumgarner's numbers. I was looking at them earlier, and then you have the Rockies. Uh, I think that they're going to end up with the fewest amount of wins. I think Israel, you you already said that in all of baseball. It has to do with their roster. It has to do with just, I mean, just obvious, but they're also looking at the division they're in. Um, I think it's going to be a long year. You know, if you look at the Rockies and the Pirates, they're probably pretty similar teams from a talent perspective, but the Pirates are in a much easier division. I think that that's why the Rockies going to end up with the fewest amount of wins. So this is the Dodgers division, most likely, barring injuries or a really slow start. Remember, we saw a couple years ago, the Rockies took the Dodgers down to, did they have to go to a playoff or like the last, the last weekend to, to decide the division. So can the Padres do that? Or there, is there value in the Padres? Zerillo, what do you see in this division? So we talked about the secret humidors last week, and I've been trying to speculate where those humidors might end up, which teams it's most advantageous for. I think there's a chance that two of them are in LA. I think there's one at Dodger Stadium, and I think there's one in Anaheim. What, what, why are you thinking this? Have you been reading? How do you beat the Dodgers <laughs> other than out-homering them? If the Dodgers want to make themselves better, the only way, other than obviously, I mean, so they they played at 116 win pace last year. They're adding David Price. They're adding Trevor Bauer. Still top five defense, offense, pitching. The only way this team loses is when you out-homer them, particularly in the playoffs. And you think that the teams, teams, teams are deciding this on their own without, like, the MLB isn't coming to them, right? Like, it's just a, like, so why would the Red Sox decide to do it on that, on that last year then? Yeah, I have no idea. And it, it almost seemed like it didn't work because uh, they were still allowing runs at a, at a record pace with that bullpen. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know. You know, I'd initially suspected that MLB was the one making the, the recommendations because they want all parks to play similarly, yeah. even though yeah. they really can't do that with various size outfield walls. But I was equally confused why they would put it in City Field, which was already one of the biggest pitching leaning parks in baseball. So it really doesn't seem to have any logic. If yeah. anything, it seems like teams are able to make the recommendation and get it installed. And we talked about the Angels with their fly ball leaning staff. You know, I'm, I'm now worried about my unders. Like, are they going to have a 7% fly ball per home, you know, home run per fly ball rate and win 90 games because of it? Who knows? But the more I've thought about it, like, I don't think it helps any team more than it would help the Dodgers just because you're not beating this team straight up. You're only going to beat them if you hit three run homers. So the, the fact that they've added more talent, 
it's the highest win projection I've ever come up with. It's the highest win projection I believe Pakoda's ever come up with. I'm at 104.9. Pakoda's at 104.3. Fangrass and Davenport are both at 98.99. So those two systems see the race between the Dodgers and the Padres as more on level terms. Me and Pakoda see about an eight or nine win difference between the two teams. And I think that's more accurate. I, I just see, you know, the Padres have room to grow into a legitimate world series contender. And there's obviously a ton of talent on this roster and we haven't seen the complete upside of it, but they are not a defensive force. Like the Dodgers are the Dodgers have, they, the Dodgers saved like over a hundred defensive runs last year in a shortened season. I mean, this, this team is absurd. Not only, and I'm not talking about the players on the field. I'm talking about the analytics stuff. You want to know why the Rockies are going to be awful this year. It's not just because they're cutting costs on the field. They don't have a single analytic staff member left from what they had in prior years. All nine are gone. They have the smallest analytic staff in all of baseball. They don't have people to direct the manager and the players where to put people, how to optimize that talent. It's such a different type of analysis to have. But I know for a fact, if you go back and correlate the number of front office analysts in analytics compared to a team's win percentage, it's it'd probably be a 70 or 80% correlation. So, yeah. that, you know, the Padres, yes, I'm high on. The, the Giants, yes, I'm high on. I think that the Diamondbacks, I'm high on too. If you look at my projection compared to the listed win totals for all these teams, it might recommend leaning over on all four of them. Obviously, you can't bet four teams in the same division all go over. You have to pick and choose because those results are correlated. So I'm already on the Dodgers over 101 and a half. I think it's actionable only up to that number, though. And I might even consider if this number floats up to 105, 106 before opening day, playing the middle back the other way, just because it's, I believe, the past five teams with a listed win total over 100 have all gone under, eight of the past 10, something like that. It's it's a it's a pretty strong trend of teams failing to hit that number because it's a pretty ridiculous pace to try to keep. But I think this Dodgers team is an exception. And I'm willing to pair them with either the Padres or the Giants. Uh, the Padres are pretty much between 98 to 95 wins in the market. You can bet them over 93 and a half or 94 and a half. The Giants, if you throw out Davenport, everybody has them at about 77 wins. You can bet them over 74 and a half. So take one of those two teams. Take If you don't want to play the Dodgers, take both of those two teams, bet the over. The talent in this division, I the overall talent across the market is 82.3 wins. In the NL East, it's 82.4 wins. The, five, the four best teams in this division are pretty comparable on average. The four best teams in the NL East, just obviously the there's there's more of a middle ground in the NL East with the competitiveness. But I think these teams are just going to absolutely destroy the Rockies. They're going to beat up on the bad teams in the NL Central. And I wouldn't be surprised if four teams manage to exceed their win total. I just don't think you could bet on that. So choose between the Padres with the Giants. But I really like all all four of the teams that I mentioned at the top of the division talent-wise. Well, the, the interesting thing is if you bet the Dodgers and the Padres over, if the Padres go over, in a way, it could help the Dodgers go over. And what I mean by that is, like, if they're pushing the Dodgers, like, mathematically, they're still alive for the division or the top seed until the end. So it's kind of a hedge. And you also could just easily win both as well. But the, the only concern with the Dodgers would be is if the Padres are way – way behind and then you know at the end they just uh, they they kind of just get into a lull they don't really push their pitchers as much blah 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 but the analytics is such a brilliant point and we, look we don't need to get into the kevin cast decision because we're all gonna because everyone that'll listen to us will disagree with us but the dodgers 
would have, I mean, think about how many World Series they almost had. Like the, the narrative around like Clayton Kershaw can't win the World Series, can't pitch in the postseason. Like how many times is that because they left Clayton Kershaw for one inning too long? Um, that's basically why the Dodgers didn't win a World Series. Then ironically enough, they, people are, you know, yelling about this decision. And, but that's, that's what the Dodgers did all this postseason, right? They never left their pitchers in. But eight, five, six, seven, eight years ago, the Dodgers weren't making the same decisions that they are today. And that's what's so scary about this Dodgers team. Like Julio Rios and Dustin May are battling for the number five position in their rotation. They have so many arms that, like I mentioned with the Rays, they could just say, okay, you're getting, you're going to turn over this lineup once for the next three innings after the starter comes out, and it's going to be an elite pitcher coming into the game. It's almost unfair how many arms they have, not to mention the Dodgers and the Padres both have top 10 farm systems in baseball, have prospects that they continue to bring up or trade for other pieces. So these teams are yeah, loaded well, top to bottom. Look, they had Ryu, who's now like an ace on the staff. Maeda, who's like close to an ace on the staff. I mean, the arms on this they just were like, we don't need, we don't need them. And they don't and, even push uh, any of their starters 200 innings either. They haven't had a starter go 200 innings in several years. Like it keeps them well intact for the playoffs. They don't have to push anybody too hard. Yeah. Colin, your thoughts uh, on the well, NL West? Yeah. I mean, living in Oklahoma, the the double A and the triple A teams for the Dodgers are here within the state. So seeing guys like Dustin May, Mitch White, Andre Jackson, Jose Ed Gray, these are the top pitching prospects that are routinely coming through town. And it's just, they, they should not be here. They should be at the major league level. I know that our little research project was go back and look and see teams that were listed in the win total market in triple digits and see, come back with, you know, how many times that they've actually gone over. Well, per sports are sports odds archive. There were five teams that had win totals over a hundred and none of them went over their posted win total. So, you know, I, and we can argue about what book that was taken from, but I mean, it's, it's just, you, and you can add other qualifiers to that. Cause I actually went back and researched like teams that are over 95 wins and it still comes out to around a 85% under rate for, you know, having win totals this high S- blindly. You just look at this number and you should play an under. I agree with Zerillo though. I, I, we haven't no nobody's, really thinking about baseball, except people like us at this point, or people that cover it, you know, every day of the year. And I think once the general public gets done with March Madness, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, and they start getting into baseball, I could see this win total for the Dodgers just going up. I see that minus 300 for the division going up. Now, I think the Padres at some point, the question is, is when am I going to buy? So I've already taken the win total over 92. I think that's good up to 94 and a half according to war wins above replacement, they have a better pitching staff than the Dodgers. Now that's per fan graphs. It's not by much. Uh, They're still, you know, two of the best three uh, in major league baseball. And I'm going to have to keep myself from betting Danielson lament to win the Cy Young every single year. Uh, The thing with the Padres is, is I don't know how many innings they're going to go. Can lament stay healthy. Uh, Can a lot of their guys on the staff stay healthy and think about Blake Snell. Think about it from the perspective of the Rays would never allow him to go to the seventh inning. He was on a pitch count. He couldn't go deep into games. From what I saw uh, article that was posted in the last two days, I think they're actually contemplating having Blake Snell throw into the seventh inning, but they have to work up to it. So as to where the Dodgers can basically run a seven, eight man rotation, let Kershaw you know, let Walker Bueller, uh, you know, miss a start every once in a while. I don't know if the Padres are deep enough to pull that off. So 
I think the Padres are hungry and talented. You know, if we see an eight, nine game drop between the Dodgers and the Padres, then 94 and a half is the stopping point you want to have to buy on the pods. But I definitely like the pods on the over. And I'm going to consider a Dodgers under all the way up until opening day. Not going to buy it now because there's going to be an appetite for this Dodgers team big time. And I think I have to assess at what number do I buy the Padres for the division? I'll lean on Sean. Let me just throw a number out there. But what are the Dodgers going to get up to? Minus 350 to win this division? These numbers for the Dodgers are insane. They're they're historical. Look, for those not familiar, the the Padres, they do have a very good staff. I mean, they added you, Darvish. I mean, you had guys that they signed last year. You have Lametzel there, Paddock, Clevenger. It's a loaded staff. And then if you think some of their arms on their bullpen bounce back, yeah, the staff is great. We know the lineup has a lot of talent. Uh, Israel, do you have any uh, thoughts on the, the number for the Padres, the buy point? Yeah, probably 300 or better. I have them projected at plus 240. I have the Dodgers at minus 240. It's a nice little inverse there, I have the, which means I have the Giants at 0.2% and the Diamondbacks at 0.1%. So not completely dead, but, you know, pretty much Dodgers or Padres binary. It's a little scary. Like, I'm, I'm, the more I think about it, the less inclined I am to bet the Padres over and the, the more inclined I am to bet the Giants over because I feel like the Giants could get the 500 easier than the Padres could get to 95, 96 wins almost. So even going into next year, like, I feel like on paper, they're going to be the, the sexy team again. And I might still be fading them again. There's just too much downside with the injuries. And obviously we all think Tatis is a superstar, but the guy hasn't even played technically a full season of at-bats yet, even combined with his two seasons. When I look back, when the Rockies almost won that division against the, the Dodgers, like they had this unique aspect. Like their offense was – they obviously ran really well. They were, they were pitching well, but their offense was just red hot. And they, they play in course, right? Like you're, you're going to play in these – crazy games and they have one of the biggest home fields because I think of they that. also need like I think the Dodgers started like six and eighteen in May. They started really low. Yeah that they started really slow. That's what the Padres would need here again. But then it's like what what advantage do they really have? Like the Dodgers are kind of like a better version of them. Their parks aren't dissimilar. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I don't think that the I think that if you want to bet the Padres this year, the way to do it is try to find the bottom at some if you believe that at some point during the regular season to win the world series. The problem is that I keep going back to is that you're, you're most likely going to be facing like it's a 50, 50 proposition to get into the next round in that wild card round. I feel bad for the Padres. It's just like put them in the NL central and uh, they would win 105 games, babe. You know, we, we talked about more overs on this podcast and more unders on the American league podcast. Three of the four projection systems have the NL not only better than the, the AL, but close to 20 to 30 wins better than the AL. Do you think that the, the difference in the leagues is that severe? Are, are you higher on more teams in the NL than you are in the American League? I'm yes. definitely higher on the AL Central than I am the NL Central. I'll tell you that. You know, the Pirates and the Royals, there's, they're, they're not equal. Uh, the White Sox versus the Reds, there's, there's no correlation to me this year. So from a central standpoint, I like the AL better. Overall, yes, clearly. I think the NL is significantly better. And I'm, I'm trying to think of the unders that I'm looking at in the NL. It was the Rockies. And then it was trying to figure out in the NL central, like who's going to sell and who's not, which is kind of throwing me for a loop. But that's pretty much it. Like I, I'm just looking at the Rockies win total under is the one that I'm I'm kind of, I know that I'm going to invest in, and that's that's pretty much it. 
I like the Giants over in this division, though, because I know I think I think, Sean, I think you have them around 78 wins. Uh, I think the total is at 75 and a half. If you look at their lineup, it's the same that they've had over the past 10 years offensively and pretty much defensively in the infield. And Yastrzemski, we don't know really what his ceiling is. I think the Giants have a better overall roster and they should be able to be up on the D-backs and the Rockies, which should be just, if the Padres and the Dodgers are going to get those wins over those two teams, the Giants are going to get them too. So I think the Giants are good for their win total over 75 and a half for a small, small bit of investment. Yeah. I wish I could bet an upside on the Giants. Like that's why I think I'm probably just going to be betting them a lot during the season. Cause I mean, I, I they can't, I don't think they could win the division. I, mean, I guess they could, they, they, but there's about to be a lot of injuries and crazy shit that happens. But, like, I wish there was an upside bet because you're going to be playing two juggernauts a lot, the Padres and Dodgers. And if the Diamondbacks have some positive regression with their bats, which I think they do, and then you you play, you have to go to, like, cores and play just stupid games, even though how, how bad I think the Rockies are going to be. Like, you just, you're going to play dumb games. So that's the only thing that scares me about the Giants. The Giants, you know, this is year three of the Farhan Zaidi era. They brought over a lot of front office talent from the Dodgers. They continue to explore and find value that's kind of hidden in the market on a yearly basis. So I really just like the way this Giants team is run. They're getting Buster Posey back this year. He took last year off. If he gives them anything, it's a huge bonus. But they they have Joey Bart, who's the top catching prospect in baseball. Helio Ramos will be in center field, maybe even on opening day. So, yeah, there's, there's upside with this Giants team. And I think all of that just continues to point to the Rockies under. The only concern that I have is that the Diamondbacks just completely sell. I don't really know how many pieces they could ship off, you know, in, in terms of logistics, but other than Zach Allen, I, I don't think they're really tied to any piece on their roster. So if, if the Diamondbacks just decide to burn the whole thing down, because there's two dominant teams in their division and kick the can down the road another five years, it shouldn't surprise anybody. And my, Madison Bumgarner, is he done? Thrill? That'll, that'll probably... I think factor into a lot of whether or not the Diamondbacks, obviously if they sell or not too, but if they go over their win total or not, right? Is Bumgarner just going to be, get shelled every night? Well, I mean, his ERA was awful and his peripherals were even worse last year. I mean, he just got pounded every time he was out. Is, is he done or is, can we expect somewhat of a bounce back this year? I mean, I hate to say it, but it sure seems that way. Uh, his, his strikeout to walks from 2019 to 2020 cut in half. His fastball declined by three miles an hour. You, I mean, you don't go from 91.7 miles an hour to 88.6 and, and suddenly find it again generally. So either it was a mechanical issue or an injury that he could fix and figure out, or he's completely done. It's it's one of the two. Yeah, I agree. Um, by the way, before we get to recaps and bring in Colin Woodchurch, I did want to follow up, Zerl, on your, your, your thought exercise on the projecting the secret humidors. Because if we don't actually find out, and I mean, don't take this for, for science. And then you kind of could guess where, make an educated guess where these are. And then early in the season, you know, you would obviously have a hand up when it comes to betting some totals and then maybe certain pitchers and teams, depending on how they profile. Where else would you think, where else are you guessing? I mean, I would assume, wouldn't Miami make sense? Like, I know that, they, like, wouldn't, isn't that how they want to win? But I don't know. That's a, that's a team that came to, to my mind. Who else are you thinking? Yeah, so if we're, if we're talking from the perspective of these teams can, like, request them now, yep. it's possible that the Phillies could be a team like that just because Citizens Bank Park has always kind of been a little bit of a home run haven. 
and they've struggled to figure out the pitching almost the entire time they've been there. The bad teams to kind of even the playing field, like the Orioles, the Tigers, you know, the, the teams who have been at the bottom of the barrel who are just kind of trying to change it up and, and find something to support young pitchers, the Royals as well, giving younger pitchers that they might be building around more confidence that they're not giving up gopher balls every two seconds. But I mean, think about it from the perspective of who's in your division, right? If you're the Rays, your game is not built around hitting bombs. And when you've got the Blue Jays and Yankees in your division, you would want one. If you're the Royals and you see the Twins up in Minnesota just bombing like crazy, you would want one. So I think, you know, if you could request it, that's the teams I would keep my eyes on. Yeah, that's why I was thinking the Marlins, too. Like, the Marlins aren't bombers, and they have great young pitching. If they want to take away the power of their opposition, and it would only help their pitchers even more, and it's not really going to hurt that. Like, the Marlins aren't a team that's going to hit a ton of home runs. Um, I should emphasize so. the A's as well. That's already a team who takes advantage of their giant park as much as possible, getting fly ball pitchers and pop-up pitchers, stuff like that, so... I couldn't even imagine the Oco Coliseum with a humidor in it. You'd see a home run every five games, but that place is a team that, that might benefit. That place is a treasure. I can't wait to get back out to live baseball at Oakland. All right, let's go around and recap. There's a lot of consensus here, which is good. I like when we agree and we had some disagreements, but uh, I'll, I'll start. I mean, I, I agree with you on the Mets when in the NLE. So I agree with the Mets division with the price that are out there right now. In the NL Central – it's the Brewers for me. And in the NL West, I'm staying away from the division. And uh, my sole under is uh, the Rock in, in the NL is the Rockies under. So those are my three favorite bets, one per division. Sure. The, the Mets over 90 and a half wins. That's where I played up to. The Mets, you can get plus 170 at BetMGM. Please go hammer that. Please stop me from going back and putting, you know, all the money I'm saving for a house on that number because I think that's an absurd figure. That's, again, a 20% edge compared to my projection. And if you go by Picota, it's close to a 40% edge. In the central, we're, we're thinking about the Cardinals under, but given the, the weakness of that division, I'm more inclined to play the Pirates over 58.5 wins. You can get 57.5 at the Westgate. Again, they, they played at a 59-win pace by their Pythag last year, and I think they'll be a little bit better than they were. In the NL West, I like the, the Dodgers over 101.5 wins like the Padres over 94 and a half, or like the Giants over 74 and a half. And I should mention back in the central, the Brewers to win the central down about, about plus 280, but you can get plus 385 everywhere. Colin, who, who, by the way, I haven't figured out who your Tiosker is in the NL yet. Eugenio Suarez for the Reds is the one that I'm looking at in the home run department. Uh, and we don't know if he gets shipped off either, right? I mean, there's any, any name out of the Reds organization could get sent packing uh considering when we got Zerillo's analysis of how much money each owner has here uh they're going to need the dollars so uh I haven't made that bet yet but it's something I've got my eye on a bet I am going to make is going to be Francisco Lindor and Rafael Devers both to uh you know have most hits so it's really kind of an AL and NL bet they're both a DK at 20 to 1 and 22 to 1. Cabrian Hayes is rookie of the year listed at plus 550 for the Pirates. I want Hayes as rookie of the year for the NL. I'm not sure I want that number so I may sit on it for a while and see if some other names or another book maybe releases some action and we get a better number out there. Uh, the Phillies is a team that I'm considering taking the under. I have not made a personal investment there, but this is more on the fact that uh, I'm really not a fan of, of, of what they're, they're in transition. It's not their year. And in a, 
in a division that's got the Braves and the Mets, I think they may be sellers. I'm going to come back on the Brewers since I already have the cards. Uh, I like the Giants over. We'll put some money on them. I like the Padres over 92, but thank you to this discussion that we've had here. I think once the mass love comes in on the Padres and they get to 95, 95 and a half, I may turn around and hedge it and try to get a window because the injuries of the pitching staff is real. And Sean's right. They're going to have to exceed the innings that are set by Lament and Blake Snell for them to catch the Dodgers in this division. So Giants over for me. Uh, Suarez, home run prop. Francisco Lindor uh, hitting most hits. By the way, Colin, who led the AL in home runs in 2019? Jorge Soler. <laughs> yes. And though, so I think that Suarez is – is. Uh, is interesting in that aspect. Like the we think the Reds are going to be bad. He is going to be playing for a bad team. He's also playing in a uh, hitter friendly park. And if they're getting blown out a lot and they're in a bad division with bad pitching and they're getting blown out a lot, he's going to face even worse pitching, pick up cheap home runs. I don't hate it. Yeah. And Richard Um, Rodriguez for most saves. Let me throw that in there. I am looking at the most saves prop and I want a, I want a closer on a shitty team because they get, they get saves too. And Richard Rodriguez for the Pirates, most saves, and the Pirates over is going to be two fun bets to make this year. As I did for the AL, just keep in mind, there's so many really good rookies that carried over from last year. Ian Anderson, Sixto Sanchez, Brian Hayes. Like, it's going to be impossible to pick amongst those guys at the end of the year probably. So I feel like the the pitchers rarely get considered as strongly as the hitters do, but I'd have to look into that more. Yeah, and uh, you'll have content coming on like Cy Young's MVPs and all that shortly on. We did now both Cy Young's last year. So I I'm unlikely to ever do that again, but I'll do my best. (laughs) Yeah. I gave you money, unfortunately to put, uh, and then I bought a couple extra tickets that you had on Darvish who I still think should have won. Yes. I'm biased. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, let's bring in who you should be familiar with from our last podcast. We're very excited to have him ex baseball prospectus, Baseball genius, Colin Woodchurch. He joined our team as an editor, and we're just really excited to have him here, and we're excited to have new states that have legalized sports betting. So he joins us now to give his favorite bets for the NL teams in those legal states, which are the Mets, the Nats, the Phillies, the Cubs, the Pirates, and the Rockies. Take it away, Colin. So with baseball season starting up, there are even more states where – Online sports betting is legal in the National League, which is what we're talking about today. We have New Jersey, we have Virginia, we have Pennsylvania, we have Illinois, and we have Colorado. We're going to start up in the New Jersey area in New York City with the Mets. If you know what happened in the Met game, don't say anything. I taped it. Hello. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. One of the talks of the off season. Of course, they acquired Francisco Lindor, recent signing with Taiwan Walker. They had big plans, missed out on George Springer, missed out on Trevor Bauer, but still one of the talks of the National League. Mets win total is set at 90 and a half. Our own Sean Zarillo, obviously a Mets fan, loves this win total, loves the over for the Mets. I'm going to take a slight over here. I'm not as confident as Sean is. The Mets play in one of the most competitive divisions in baseball with the Nationals, with the Braves, the defending champions. The Phillies are still trying. Even the Marlins you know, made the playoffs last year, had one of the most exciting young rosters in baseball, tons of talent in the pipeline coming up. It's a really competitive division. I think the Mets are going to be neck and neck with the Braves for the division title. I'll take the over on 90 and a half. It's a slight over for me. I wouldn't play it above that. 
We're going to stay in the National League East with the Nationals, obviously the World Series champions from two years ago. They're over under sitting at 84 and a half. That seems just about right. I'm going to say a slide over there as well. The Nationals had, you know, the season from hell a year ago coming off their World Series title. They still have a lot of great talent. They still have Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin in the rotation. Juan Soto is one of the most exciting young players in baseball. Everything went wrong for them last year. They're going to be in the mix for the postseason this year. I'm going over on 84 and a half. Don't think I would play it above that number of 84 and a half, though. One more for the National League East with the Philadelphia Phillies. As I mentioned before, the National League East, one of the most competitive divisions in baseball, probably the most competitive division in baseball. Not everyone's going to be able to go over here. Phillies number is 80 and a half. I'm going to go under here. The Phillies did spend money to try to improve their team. They brought back JT Realmuto. It's not enough to overtake the Mets, the Braves, the Phillies. I still think they're the fourth best team in this division. It's hard to imagine that we have four teams in that division finishing 500 or better. 80 and a half wins. I'm going to go under there. I would play that down about another win to 79 and a half. Moving over to the National League Central with the Chicago Cubs, one of the most interesting teams that you can possibly bet this year. Obviously, turned into a heavyweight with their 2016 World Series title, have been contenders every year since as a playoff team or close to a playoff team. They spent their offseason with their ownership talking about cutting costs, not spending money. They traded you, Darvish. They talked about trading Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras. They haven't done that yet, but they still could. The Vegas books set them at 79 and a half wins. That seems about right. I'm probably going to go under here just because of what ownership is saying of trading those stars. They might be playing at a pace to win 80, 81, 82 games. Come July, they're going to trade Chris Bryant. They're going to trade Wilson Contreras. They might trade anything that they possibly can to save money. The ownership is so cheap right now. Under 79 and a half. The current talent level of that roster is one that can win more than 79 and a half games, but I'm not confident they're going to keep trying to win all the way throughout the summer. Also in the National League Central, we have the Pittsburgh Pirates, the lowest win total projection in baseball, the worst team in baseball entering the season. They were set at 59 and a half wins. That's a pace of losing more than 100 games. I'm going to surprise you a little bit here, and I'm going to go over on the Pirates. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the National League this year. You're going to find out who I think that is in just one minute. Pirates also play in one of the least competitive divisions in baseball in the National League Central. As I just mentioned, the Cubs aren't exactly trying to win. The Cardinals and Brewers are both trying to win, but are they really trying to win? And the Cincinnati Reds have talked about cutting costs after losing Trevor Bauer in the offseason. The Pirates are going to win over 59 and a half games just based simply on the fact that they play in the least competitive division in baseball. They also have a lot of really talented young players. Cabrian Hayes came up last year. He's an NL Rookie of the Year candidate, probably my favorite to win NL Rookie of the Year. There's a bonus little uh, side future there for you. The Pirates are going to go over 59 and a half because of their young talent and the uncompetitive division they play in. Last up, out west with the Colorado Rockies. This is my favorite win total bet in either league across the board. The Colorado Rockies, the Rockies are going to be the worst team in the National League, maybe the worst team in baseball. I'm sorry, fans in Colorado. I'm very excited that you have legal online sports betting available to you, but your team sucks. The Rockies play in not the most competitive division in baseball, but with the two best teams in the National League, the Dodgers and the Padres. They have to play those two teams a combined 38 times. Behind the Dodgers and Padres, we have the Giants and Diamondbacks, both competitive teams. They're not going to win the World Series or anything, but they're competitive teams. They field competent rosters. That's 76 wins within this National League West. 
for the Colorado Rockies. Their win total is 64 and a half. I'm going way under there. I think they're going to lose a hundred plus games. The Rockies, as you know, traded Nolan Arenado in the off season, didn't get much in return. There's a statistic created by baseball prospectus called deserved runs created. Plus it's an all encompassing offensive statistic, basically used to gauge offensive performance across the board. There are two Rockies offensive players currently projected to be above average by DRC plus that's Trevor story. That's Charlie Blackman. The rotation has German Marquez, a promising and exciting young arm behind that Kyle Freeland, John Gray don't inspire much confidence. The Rockies are going to be really bad. They play 76 games against the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, and Diamondbacks. They're going to be on a hundred loss pace under 64 and a half. I would play that down to 62 and a half. All right. Thanks Colin again. Thanks for joining me. Sean Zarillo and Colin Wilson. Hope you all enjoyed listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. It really helps us out. I hope you found some valuable nuggets in these two preview podcasts. We'll be back this week, next week with more baseball content, but especially throughout the season. Uh, Excited to have to go through the grind with everyone. Uh, so thanks for listening and we will catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. Come